greetings and blessings from Germantown Mennonite who are uh, currently in their, in their service right now. Uh, and maybe before we begin, let's just take a moment and pray. Holy One, walk with us by faith this morning. Give us hearts of gratitude to accept the gifts of our ancestors. Help us to be planters of justice, nourishers of the seeds, the plants, the ecosystem of beloved community and help us to be grateful and joyous harvesters in this time. Amen. So a few months after the Archbishop Oscar Romero was murdered by the US-backed military dictatorship in El Salvador, Father Ken Untener from Detroit was asked to write a prayer for the mass for deceased priests. This prayer that we just heard was the one that he wrote. It includes these lines that I love. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. We plant the seeds that one day will grow and we water seeds already planted knowing that they hold future promise. So Hillary told me that you've been talking about planting seeds, but today I'm going to talk about harvesting, which is an odd topic in May when I'm just putting my seedlings in the ground. But for me, it's important to remember why I'm planting, what I'm gonna get out of it in a few months. The book of Hebrews, like many other books in the Christian Testament, is written as a response to traumatic disruption. If the temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed, where do we turn to get right with God? Where do we go from here? And so the writers of this book call on a litany of their ancestors, the, the heroes of our faith, and it is quite a litany with graphic descriptions of violence and it goes on and on. I didn't remember quite how long it goes on and on. Thank you, John, for reading the whole thing. But in listening it, I can just hear the reverence for these ancestors bursting through every word. This passage draws together this, these eclectic stories of Israelites and non-Israelites kings and sex workers and radical prophets and seems to be saying that wherever we may go from this moment, this is the lineage that we are claiming right now. These wide range of people are the ancestors whose promise we are harvesting. As someone who spends a lot of my time in progressive and leftist organizing spaces, I hear people talk about ancestry quite a bit Ancestry is very hip right now, but talking about ancestry is complicated for many. Ancestry and knowing your ancestors is blocked by the traumatic disruptions of slavery, colonization, genocide, forced assimilation. 
For others, especially people who have assimilated into whiteness, it is the clarity of ancestry that is the hardest to deal with. I am who I am in part because of the hope of my Russian Mennonite great-grandmothers who packed up their Bibles and bags of winter wheat in the dead of night and got on boats bound for Canadian prairies they had never seen. I am who I am in part because of my great-grandfather who closed his curtains every Christmas so that in secret, he could waltz with his daughter, my grandmother, the only time that she would be allowed to dance in her Mennonite community. But I also am who I am because those same ancestors left behind relatives who happily colluded in the Holocaust. Those same ancestors settled lands opened up to the Canadian government's genocide. The spiritual ancestors claimed by the writers of Hebrews endured incredible violence and they also inflicted it. The harvest of our ancestors is sometimes sour, often quite blemished, but it is by faith and discernment that we take this fruit, this harvest and maybe transform it into something healing. And I think it is by faith that we can recognize those gifts we have received from past generations that we don't deserve, but still inherit. The heroes of our faith whose promise we now receive. And so this week, I imagine this text, long as it is, continuing on saying, maybe by faith, the young trans kids threw bricks at the police outside the Stonewall Inn and launched the uprising that became pride. Maybe by faith, our gay elders and ancestors reimagined family and intimacy and gender, often out of necessity, often to survive in a society that did not love them. And so God was not ashamed of them. And so their spiritual children and grandchildren can continue to create new words and new worlds that they could not imagine. What more could I say? By faith, John Lewis marched across that bridge, knowing the police violence that awaited him. By faith, Angela Davis and others fought for a world without the violence of policing and prisons. By faith, young queer people of color in Chicago and Oakland and Miami and Philly and Detroit and all over began to experiment with alternatives to policing, with transformative justice, with new systems of accountability, often by necessity, often as a means of survival. They did it for their children and grandchildren who were heirs of the same promise, for they were looking forward to the city with foundations whose designer and maker was God. What more should I say? Harvesting is inherently humbling work. We did not grow this fruit. At best, at best, we water the plant. But we are all beneficiaries of the seeds planted and watered by those who have come before us. So, despite the complexity and pain of ancestry, I am so grateful to be alive in this moment. I'm grateful to be 
a man who can have full and meaningful friendships and relationships with peoples of different genders. Grateful that I can fall apart in my partner's arms and not be viewed as a failure. This is the harvest of decades of feminist and queer imagination, a harvest that I did not earn, that I cannot ever deserve, but nevertheless still collect. I'm grateful to be part of a movement in Pennsylvania to end life sentences and abolish prisons. And the fact that we can fill the Harrisburg Capitol Rotunda in non-COVID times, not this year, is the harvest of the dreams of incarcerated organizers decades ago, many of whom are still in prison and many of whom still happily greet each new person in the movement as a comrade. And for this, I have no choice but to offer gratitude and to continue the work. We have no choice, I think, but to take the long view, to recognize that our lives are merely a part of the larger spiritual work of turning our world around to repair our relationships with each other, with the earth, with God, and with ourselves. This gratitude has taught me to understand that I am living in an ecosystem of transformation far more complex than I can understand. I thought I had finished this sermon when yesterday I went to volunteer at Sankofa Farm, a Blackburn community farm in my neighborhood. If you know the word Sankofa from West African traditions, it means you have to look back in order to go forward. You have to go back in order to go forward. And Chris, one of the lead farmers was teaching some younger kids how to manage weeds without tilling, without destroying the soil structures that help plants grow. And he said, agriculture is a revolutionary act of love for beings we cannot see. It is love for the work our ancestors did to tend the soil and for the worms and the fungi who make life possible. Now, well, some of those kids were not so impressed with the worms and the fungi. It's like I should have just asked Chris to preach this sermon. Because planting and tending and harvesting are revolutionary acts of love for beings we cannot see. They are love for God who tends and holds us, who offers us fruits to harvest that we do not deserve, but still receive with gratitude. They're acts of love for our ancestors in their deep imperfection and acts of love for our descendants in their imperfection. And also they are revolutionary acts of love for ourselves and for our community in our own imperfection. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter 
and do the rest. You may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own.